You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grand. This is where we get back to basics. We examine the Word of God. We look at the book of Acts Church as our example. And in doing so, we find how they serve the Lord so we can do it as well. We dig deep into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. If you're looking for a filtered word, this is not the place. We're finding the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. The porch is restoring the priesthood of the believer and the world-shaking influence that they had because we believe the church age is still in effect. A job is to be done. The fire still falls to do that job. The day of Pentecost continues. The porch was created as an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. on solomonsporch.org is the main site. Go there to use the contact button or you can visit us at firefalltalkradio.com as well. If you have any questions, make sure you book, bookmark the Spreaker site. The only place you can find us live, you can still hear us on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as here in the archived versions. If you'd like to support us, Firefall Talk Radio, bottom of the page, give us the Lord leads. We appreciate you that you have and you are, um, and we appreciate the encouragement that goes with it. Welcome to every listener we want to be thankful for each and every one of you a day early. Actually, not really a complete day early. It's a short, term, short time. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Make sure you eat in moderation. If not, go to the gym, go for a walk. Make sure you are thankful. So I'm even before we've started, I'm going to give you an assignment. In your prayer time tomorrow, but especially when you sit down with your family, Tell the Lord what you're thankful for. Begin to speak out the blessings. Begin to speak out the praise before you begin. Well, I praise the Lord for my home, my wife, my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, our grandson. Praise him for our furry kids and every possession that we have. It all comes from him. Praise him for his protection over all of us, his ministry that he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions and the excitement of living in these end times. I praise him that his healing virtues are still available to us. I praise him that we can praise him. I love to praise the Lord. I'm a new creation. I have something to praise him for. I'm living in prophetic times. Something to praise him for. I'm living in America. Something to praise him for. Those signs that we're seeing tell me he's getting ready to return. So let's get ready. Let's embrace the favor and the revelation that he's giving to us through his word to our times here on the porch. I want to pray for the Middle East, Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. If you pay attention to Israel, you know that their um, government is still not formed. God has allowed this for whatever reason. I believe he's shaking things up, exposing things, trying to get people's attention. So I pray for them. I pray against their enemies. I pray God would protect Israel. Pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. For our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. For the slaughter of the innocents, especially here in America, in and out of the womb, both animal and human. It's just right now the satanic violence and ugliness of this world can be overwhelming sometimes. 
but I keep my eyes on him. I don't get fixated on the darkness. I pray against the religious persecution and the anti-Semitism that is gaining traction all over the world. And of course, I always pray for the victims of sex trafficking, human trafficking, young boys, young girls, uh, adult women. It's just ugly. For each and every one of us, I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing, continued healing, getting back to our divine design, getting healthy, getting ready for his return because we got a job to do. We need to be healthy to do that. I'm praying for his protection over each and every one of you, over me and my family and all of our loved ones. Praying for the remnant. As I've said many times, I don't believe I speak to the church. I believe I speak to the remnant. And I'm praying for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer this call to action, hear our war cry. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. Let's let's begin to help one another. I'm praying for the doors to open for everything we're doing here at Firefall Talk Radio with the porch, with uh, Firefall Media Group, Firefall Productions, and uh, SRT. Lots of things to be done. Praying for the documentary, being able to get it finished. That we can do what he's called us to do and reach the lost and the dying. That we would prosper in accordance with his word. And that the open conduit of his blessings to fund the dreams and the visions and the missions would be fulfilled. Continue to pray for Pastor Shelley and his health and restoration for divine favor and a conclusion to this legal matter we've been involved in for way too long. Pray for our lost family members, each each and every one of them right now in the name of Jesus. We claim them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, translated into the kingdom of his son. We pray that they'd be saved, healed, and delivered in the names written in the Lamb's book of life. Praying for uh, my sister-in-law, Dala, my uh, brother-in-law, John, who passed away a couple of years ago. It's his wife. She lives out in Arizona. She needs a knee replacement. And she's got to go through rehab to get prepared and ready to have the surgery. So please keep her in your prayers. Stacy in Texas says, good morning. It's been so hard here the last couple of months. And uh, she's struggling right now. So, But I'm standing and I'm thankful in spite of the circumstances. I'm thankful above all, all, the king that I serve is also my father, and everything is made in his image, and without that there would be nothing. Without the power of his love behind the cross and his scars, I would have nothing. It is because of that love that I am able to call him daddy. I am nowhere near understanding the depth of this kind of love, but it is my battle cry and the answer to what I believe. I think of everyone daily, and I look forward to the next time we can get together. Kim in Fort Mitchell just sent me a short message, said she's had a rough day at work. Uh, keep her family and her in your prayers, and she wants everybody to happy, happy, have a happy Thanksgiving. That was easy for me to say. So, Father, you know these things. We're not telling you anything you don't know, but we're bringing them to you. We're coming to you as a family. We are touching and agreeing. First of all, we pray for each and every Listener and member of our families that are feeling down, feeling oppressed, we lift them up right now in the Spirit. We lift them up to you, Lord, and we pray that your hand would reach down, grab a hold of their chin, and tilt their face towards you. We pray an an insurgent, an infilling of the Holy Spirit to renew them and restore them. Lord, we love you. We love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, our soul, and our spirit. We love you with every ounce of our being. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you endured on the cross, what you did for us to be saved. Thank you, Father, for giving us your only begotten Son so that we could be restored to you. And we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to help us to learn, to understand, to walk with us, and to encourage us Tell us to keep going and inspire others to pray for us, Lord. We, we, we just pray right now, Lord, for those that don't know you, for those that are feeling lost and alone. Tomorrow, while we sit with our families and do what we do, there are going to be so many that either through being in the military or their jobs or just being separated by time and space or maybe they're homeless and they're in prison, they're not going to be with their families tomorrow. I pray that you would overshadow them. 
I pray that they would feel the sense of love and being your family. So, Lord, prepare our hearts and our minds. Protect the technology. Holy Spirit, have your way. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. By the President of the United States of America, a proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, for the signal and manifold mercies, and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one, now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us, and also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and Ruler of Nations, and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October, in the year of our Lord, 1789, George Washington. George Washington proclaimed a second day of Thanksgiving in 1795, following the end of the Whiskey Rebellion. After he left office, John Adams, John, James Madison, and others immediately declared inter, intermediately declared days of Thanksgiving. Several presidents opposed national Thanksgiving, with Thomas Jefferson openly denouncing such a proclamation. By 1855, 16 states celebrated Thanksgiving. 14 did it on the fourth Thursday of November, two on the third. But it wasn't until 1863 that Abraham Lincoln established the regular tradition of observing days of national Thanksgiving. But you know what? As much as it's 
great to hear that, especially the constant use of Almighty God and what this country was really founded upon. We don't need the government to tell us to be thankful. The Bible talks about it a lot. Psalm 50, verse 14, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Psalm 92, 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 106, 1, Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Psalm 107, 1, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, His mercy endures forever. David did not want to let go of that thought. He started two psalms with the same words. It's there. If you don't have something to be thankful for tomorrow, open your Bible. You're going to be looking at it with eyes that opened. You're listening now with ears that work. You're doing it on technology that you've been able to obtain. But you know what? The Apostle Paul, it was a common message throughout his writings. He writes in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 13, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Messiah Yeshua, Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Let's stop here at verse 7. Wait a minute, Paul. Come on. The Apostle Paul wants you to rejoice? Doesn't he know what you're going through? I mean, hasn't he seen your bank account? Doesn't he watch the news? Has he seen any of those bills? No, he hasn't. But would it even matter if he did? See, he tells you that he's going through his own tough times as he writes these words. And what he's doing, he's telling you to guard your mind and heart when anxiety and fear Attack them. Let's pick it up at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Oh, hold on, Paul. i got to stop here at verse 9. Think about these things. Dwell on them. Esteem them. Hold on to them. What, what things, Paul? Well, he's telling you to hold on to thoughts that are true that are honorable, they're right, they're pure, they're lovely, they're admirable, and they're things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And Paul says that if you do, the God of peace will be with you. And the peace of God will be with you. But if I use inverse logic, that tells me that if I don't do those things, There is no peace, because my mind will not be where God can influence it. See, if you know him, and you know these things, you know peace. But if not, there is no peace to know. Look at that verse 7 again. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Messiah Yeshua. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Messiah Yeshua. 
Maybe you don't have it yet. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Messiah. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, the peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison, fortify, and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Jesus the Messiah. So whose peace are we talking about? The world's? Psychologies? Counselors? Yours? No. We're talking about God's peace, a supernatural peace that makes no sense under the circumstances. So much so, it, it's beyond your understanding. It surpasses human understanding. So don't misquote it as the peace that passes understanding like so many people do. To me, that's like fingernails on a, on a blackboard. It's wrong. You, you ruin the power of the statement because it's not a rational peace. It's an illogical peace. Makes no sense because it comes from the throne room. But see, then Paul explains why he knows this is true. We're going to pick it up, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at, your la- at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. Another scripture taken out of context because verse 13 about I can do all things through Messiah or through Christ who strengthens me is the culmination of all the scriptures before then. But be that as it may, he was going through his own financial and physical troubles when he wrote this. But he had experiential knowledge that fueled his faith in the providence of the Lord. Now, the the verses 11 and 12, I, as a baby Christian, I struggled with them. I, I'm not so sure about them now. Now, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm fooling around. Shouldn't do that. Bible study. We must be serious. Okay, I'm serious. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned that in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, to both abound and to suffer need. Those two words have always gotten my attention, content and abased. Content means to be happy, satisfied, at ease. Abased means to be brought low, humbled, humiliated. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 he it kind of spins it again. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content, happy, satisfied, at ease. But you know what? It's not always like that. Sometimes we are humbled. Sometimes humiliated. Sometimes we go through f- trials. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange is happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Messiah in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeking his glory when it is revealed to the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a believer, for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or praying to other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. 
Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment and must begin with God's household. Judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And if judgment begins with us, what a terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God who created you, for he will never fail you. See, I like, I like the contentment part. The abased, humiliated part, not so much. But guess what? It's a part of the game. It's a part of this life. It's a part of this fallen world that we live in. And if we're really going to get real, I mean really real, really, it takes a lot to be thankful when you are being abased. It really takes a lot to be thankful during those moments. But you know what it takes? It takes divine help. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit. That's what he's there for. You can't do it by yourself, and if you try to, you're going to dwell on the wrong thoughts. You're not going to meditate on any of the things I mentioned. Instead of turning your head up and turning towards the Lord, if you immediately turn inward, if you turn into the woe is me, if you get out that little violin for the pity party, if you start to do that, you're going to lose all that strength. You must first turn upward towards him. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let endurance and steadfastness and patience have its full play and do a thorough work so that you may be perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. So I thought about that. Larry and I were praying today, and I had my notes up, and something we were praying about applied to this, and we discussed it, and and the question came up in my head. If I am to endure and be steadfast and patient and let it do its complete work so that it can make me complete, perfectly developed, Am I fighting the process? Am I getting in the way? That's like going to the gym and not doing the full exercise or quitting and not going back or going sporadically. There are certain things about faith that are very much like exercise. It gets stronger and grows the more you apply it, the more you use it. But there are two blessings about perfect Patience, that personal perfection that comes from the knowledge of the gospel and the will of God. How often do you think about your salvation? How often do you think about the good news and the gospel and being restored to your heavenly Father and the price that the Lord paid for you to have that? Or do you get up every day, take it for granted, and go willy-nilly throughout your day? And it completes us because of his grace and the gifts of God. You know, we talked for many weeks about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit working together. Well, they don't just work together for ministry, and they don't just work together for the kingdom of God. They work together so that we individually and corporately can function as his body, as his children, to be useful to him in the kingdom. The perfect work of patience, perfect knowledge, perfect gifts, the perfect law of liberty that came from the covenant of grace— the perfect faith that is exemplified by what we do with our faith. The perfect person we become 
by self-control and restraint and, and not responding to things incorrectly. There's a lot of pressure right now in the spirit. I've had people write me and ask me about it. There's something going on. I wish I could tell you what it is. I don't know. But I do know that there's an oppression. There's a seriousness, which means I either can give in to it and let that beat me down, or I can begin to praise him and pray to him and talk to him and pray with others. If you're doing this on your own, you need a prayer buddy. I mean, I could assign you prayer buddies, but I'm not going to do that. That's not how this works. That's not how the porch works. You should be mature enough by now to reach out to somebody and say, hey, can we pray every night at this time or every other night? Can we do it on the phone? Can we get on Skype? Can we FaceTime? Whatever. Stop trying to walk this out alone. That's why Larry and I pray almost every day. And if we can't pray every day, we, we do it every other day. Most of the time it's every day. But what Paul's doing here and what I'm trying to get across to you is to show you the synopsis of the walk of a believer. That no matter what, you should be happy. That to be happy, to be humbled, to have needs, you're going to have needs, and then you're going to have more than you need. And the great thing about the, the system he has put into place When you have more than you need and you sow it into the kingdom, like sending it to the porch, if somebody has a need and I know about it, then we help take care of that need. If we can't, then I reach out to other people and say, hey, this brother, this sister has a need. Can you help out? And if that doesn't work, we we brainstorm to figure out a way to do it. And we've been pretty good about it. One of the reasons we pray for this blessing, Larry and I, is to be able to create a storehouse to be able to help one another, to walk through these times, because the times are coming, and we're on the very verge of it, that to endure, we're going to need to do it together. To survive, we're going to need to do it together. So what Paul is teaching us, what the Word of God is teaching us, at least it's teaching me. I don't, I don't know if anybody else is getting this. He's telling us that his peace, the peace of God, is not dependent on the outward circumstances of the world. It doesn't matter what's going on in the news. It doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It only matters who sits on the white throne of judgment. It doesn't matter what's going on anywhere. It's not based on inward security. It's based upon trusting in the living God. Paul knew that he was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. That's why he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. He's referring back to all the struggles, all the things he went through before. Can you apply it to other things? Yes. But its actual application is, doesn't matter what the world does to me. Doesn't matter what the enemy does to me. Doesn't matter what my coworkers, my boss, the system, my husband, my wife. It doesn't matter what anything or anyone does. I can deal with all things because of the strength that Messiah gives me. You you can do what? I can do all things. Not some things, all things. Because he can do everything. He can deal with everything in the world. And when we apply that, gosh, I wish I wasn't sitting down and want to run around the room. Anything the flesh, the world, or the devil can throw at us, it won't matter. Because the strength of the Lord, it it allows us to endure. That word strengthen, endunamu, to empower, to enable, to increase in strength, to make strong. You want to know why you feel so weak? You want to know why you feel so beat down? You're doing it in your strength, not his. And the enduring contentment that Paul is trying to get us to understand is vital 
to our walk and to this life. See, when I was thinking about a message for tomorrow, or today for tomorrow, I started thinking about Thanksgiving. And I know I, um, I've done them before. Historical Thanksgiving tied it all. But I, I just really felt like many of us are going through things right now. And to be thankful, we needed to learn how to endure. To be thankful, we needed to learn to be content, which is why I call this lesson Enduring Contentment. Throughout the parables, throughout everything the Lord spoke, the red-letter basics, as I call them, we see nuggets, nuggets of gold in everything. And even, I've always described the Lord as a diamond with all these facets. And when you turn it, you see the glimmer and the glint, and, and you see all of them. The problem with most religious people is they focus on one facet. That's how we get the denominations or the focus on one aspect of, well, we focus on baptism or we focus on administration. We focus on the signs and the wonders. How about we focus on it all? How about we be like him? Go with me to Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to take a parable, and I'm going to apply it to what we're talking about. It might not normally be applied to it, but I want you to hear it. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell, on, fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did, did not have much earth. Immediately sprang up, but because it had no depth of earth, when the sun was up, it was scorched. Because it had no root, it withered away. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What are we hearing about this that has to do with peace and contentment and endurance? Well, the sower sows the word. The word of God is living, and it applies to everything. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear how Satan, Satan, comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. All that peace, all that excitement, all that everything you got. Maybe you got it at the sea conference. Maybe you got it at, at, at the church building you went to the day you got saved. And then he comes in and he attacks. And he steals it because he's a thief. Likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. And when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root. There's no root. The word didn't dig deep. They didn't dig deep. They didn't water it. And it only endures for a time. Tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake. And immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns, for they're the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. It won't work. It negates, it short-circuits the word. But these are the ones sown on good ground, who hear the word accepted, bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. The word I'm speaking to you right now, the word about his peace, the word about contentment, the word about being content or abased and everything that we're being shown, those words go into us and either we let Satan steal it, circumstances destroy it, the distractions of this world smother it, or we let it run its deep roots. To do that, we've got to move the earth and there's got to be sun and there's got to be uh, water, and there's got to be all the things that nature does to make something grow. If you have too much rain, it destroys it. If you have too much sun, it scorches it. If you don't have enough balance of all the natures of the season, there will be no fruit. And then there's this thief, and it's not just Satan, but it's every member of the kingdom of darkness. 
They exist to steal your peace, to steal your joy, to steal your blessings and steal the word from your heart and your mind when they can. doesn't mean that they're the cause of what you're feeling. I'm just telling you what they're going to do to take advantage of what you've allowed to happen to yourself. Get rooted and grounded in the written word, the Logos, and the living word, the Rhema. Drive those roots, roots deep with the living water of the Holy Spirit. Cultivate it. Protect it. Weed it. When you see weeds crop up, pull them. Don't let them grow. When those thoughts come in that, that mess things up, when, when you allow people to manipulate you to respond a certain way, when you've allowed drama to become so much a part of your life that you can't live without it, that if it's not there, you see it anyway, or you create it for yourself because it's become your functional, dysfunctional nature. No, weed that sucker. Pull it out. Grab it by the roots. And when trials and tribulations that we've been warned about come, you'll still be fruitful. And you won't be washed away in floods of despair. Some of which are right around the corner for the church and for this nation. Listen to what the Lord says to the church at Philadelphia. It's Revelation 3, verses 10 through 13. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The church of Philadelphia kept his command to persevere. They were the ones who escaped. If you have no joy, if you have no peace, if you're filled with anxiety or fear of your circumstances or your life or whatever's going on in your life, you're not going to endure the days ahead. You're just not. So you have a choice. You can either go along just as you are, keep doing the same thing over and over and over for the same situations and looking for a different outcome, or... Make a choice today to change, to guard your heart and your mind from anything that comes in to do it harm. You know, even the smallest thing can destroy the peace and the contentment you have. A drop of water on metal won't cause rust. That same drop of water on that same spot over a period of time, unabated, will make that metal rust. Even the slightest complaint or negative word from your lips will start the rot that will destroy the vine of life given to you by the Lord. It doesn't take a lot. So let nothing, no thing, natural or supernatural, hinder you from enduring to the end. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God has raised Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power, until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So truly be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have endured many trials for a little while. 
These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, is revealed to the whole world. That word, the testing of your faith, only only occurs here and later on in 1 Peter. No, it only occurs here. That's it. Tested, approved. That, that was a term that they used for coins to see if they were genuine. And the aim of the testing is not to destroy you, not to afflict you, but to purge and refine you. You find out what's deep inside when you get squeezed. It is essential that we as believers become mature in our faith. Even Abraham's faith had to be tested. Every great woman or man of God or person of God in the Bible had their faith tested. And patience means you transcend the affliction. You transcend bearing the affliction. Standing fast under pressure. That's the staying power. That's where you get that power and you turn adversities into opportunities. If we as believers endure a trial, we'll be perfect. Meaning, we will have reached the end complete, whole. See, this is the process and you're not complete till he comes back. But Richard, you keep talking about these fiery trials, and just like you don't like the word abased, I, I don't want to hear that. I don't like that. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that. It's in the word. But here's the thing about fire. Fire only separates the foreign and impure materials from gold. The gold itself doesn't lose its nature, doesn't lose its weight, doesn't lose its color, its value, or any intrinsic property. And gold can be kept in a state of of fusion, a state of heated, that, that process for months. And nothing will change except for the impurities to rise up and be removed. Well, your faith is like gold. It's being purified. It's being tested. And when you go through these problems you're going through, you should take note. Because the things that are bothering you, the words that come out of your mouth, the thoughts that go through your head, those are the impurities. And he's showing them to you. Genuine faith is going to be tested by trials. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Even Job in 5.17, Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, Paul is not telling us anything he doesn't know. He's not telling us anything he didn't experience. He's not giving us any... Paul's not an egghead. Let's just put it that way. He's not bringing you head knowledge. He's bringing you real, experiential life knowledge. Oh, you smart. Don't get me wrong. I'm not demeaning or diminishing his intelligence or his knowledge. But what I'm saying is what he shares with us in the word, he lived. Go with me to Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 19. This is a time when Paul and Barnabas... Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra. But some Jews arrived there from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the people and won them over, they stoned Paul 
and afterward dragged him out of the town, thinking he was dead. And the disciples formed a circle around him, and he got up and went back into town, and on the morrow he went with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the good news of the gospel to that town and made disciples of many of the people, they went back to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, establishing and strengthening the souls and hearts of the disciples, urging them and warning them and encouraging them to stand firm in the faith and telling them them that it is through many hardships and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I believe Paul died. The way it's written, he didn't just get up after being stoned. They they don't just like throw a couple pebbles at you and go, okay, we're done. No, they, they bounce these rocks off your head and your body. I believe the Lord raised them from the dead. And he got up and left town and went, preached and made disciples, and then came back to the very place that stoned him to preach the gospel and to show people, to stand firm in the faith. Encourage them, warn them. We're going to have hardships. We're going to have tribulations. Stuff like this is going to happen as we enter the kingdom of God, as we do what we're called to do. He brings it up later in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. But you, Timothy, know certainly what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. But evil people and impostors will flourish, meaning impostors in the faith. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Hey, this is the package. This is the fallen world. Satan's the god of this world, but we've been taken out of this world. This is not our home. We are saved. We're born again. We're spirit-filled. But guess what? There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trouble, but we're going to overcome and endure. Because many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. Psalm 13. Psalm thirty four nineteen. Contentment comes from faith in the Lord. Endurance comes from the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit in us. We live lives of enduring contentment in all things, through all things, and for all things. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Messiah Yeshua, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Romans 12, 10 through 13, be kindly affectionate to one another, with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through. Somebody else is going through something worse. What can we do to help them? The commands in that verse are rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Continual praying is essential if we desire to have this attitude to the difficulties in our life. So the title, Enduring Contentment, was a play on words. Enduring contentment means his contentment helps you to endure. And for those that see the glass is half empty, it means enduring times of contentment his way. Let me say that again. For those of you that always see the negative, it's always bad. The glass is half empty. Oh, my goodness, where's the, where did it go? Being content is something you have to learn to endure. Things may not always be the way you want them to be, but they will always be the way he allows them to be. So this is what I think Paul would say to you today. 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Be joyful because of Him. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for it as if it's already been done. When you do that, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as we live in Messiah Yeshua. And remember, you can do everything and deal with everything because of the supernatural, spiritual strength given to you by the Lord himself. Father, I pray that this word goes through to your children. I pray this word makes it to the ears that need to hear it. I pray that they would endure and be content no matter what's going on. I pray that they would be thankful in all things, through all things, for all things. We pray for those that are struggling right now, Lord. We pray for those that hear this word and are struggling to let it bear roots, for the roots to get in the ground. The ground is hard. Loosen the dirt. Soften it. Let it get into their heart and their mind, their soul, and their spirit. The days are coming, Lord, and now is where people need encouragement. And we need to be able to encourage them. We need to be able to speak a word in season. To maybe somebody who's not saved, to see your providential hand in a miracle, something that took place. We pray for them. We pray for them to be saved. We pray for them to be born again. But, Lord, we... If we can't help ourselves, how can we help anybody else? So we start with us. We want to be in right relationship with you. We want to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. We want to be free of all the attachment we've allowed this world, the enemy, the the flesh, and the devil, all these things to put upon us. Forgive us of our choices. Forgive us of our failures. Forgive us when we didn't endure and we weren't content. When we didn't see you in the struggle and in the tribulation, when we didn't understand why you were allowing it to happen. Forgive us when we complained and when we griped and when we moaned and we groaned. You're our daddy. You're our Abba. But we just offer our needs up to you. We offer all these prayers up to you. But we tell you, thank you. We are thankful. We're thankful that you loved us when we were unlovable. We are thankful that you had Yeshua, your only begotten Son, pay our debts so that we could come home. We're thankful. That even though you are the great I am, the creator of the universe, the God of all creation, the King of kings, Lord of lords, you are the Alpha and the Omega. We have direct access to you. So we come to you now, boldly approaching the throne of grace and mercy. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for this community, this unity for healings, deliverance, blessings. Thank you for the days ahead. We thank you for the provision. We thank you for the mission. We thank you for making the path straight and for using us. So right now, Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We believe and we receive in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.
Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. This weekend at Kohl's, take an extra 15% off. Save on men's and women's denim. Get Under Armour shoes for the family, $59.99 and under. And pick up a Power XL air fryer, just $84.99. Plus, take an extra $10 off your back-to-school purchase of $50 or more. Plus, store drive-up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles, 15% off a promo code notebook and August 16th. Under Armour offers and coupons do not apply. 10 off 50 with promo code BTS10 and August 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.